scary ghosts, creepy serial killers, all things that go bump in the night. Enjoy the view from the open shutters. <laughs> Creepsters, I'm Barry Marino. I'm Philip Landry. And here we are for another episode of Open Shutters, a creepy podcast. One note. Absolutely nothing about Will Smith's slap on this episode. <laughs> We're not going to talk about it. It's been talked about enough, don't you think? Yes. Okay. So getting to it, what's going on with you right now? Oh, I just... Finally, just being at home, I went to Baton Rouge, went over to the Gulf Coast, I went uh, everywhere. Finally, just being at home. Well, and that's it? You've just been at home? Done, done no, anything? I've been everywhere else, but home. Oh, so you just got home. Well, I mean, yeah, I was spending like the weekend in Baton Rouge. Didn't and you then, go to, to Mississippi Gulf Coast? Then I went to Mississippi Gulf Coast. And stuff? Not too, too much. We, well, I have a milestone. I have an I have another event very similar to the one yes. I had, all, not quite a year ago. Yeah, <laughs> guess what I did? Okay, last week it was time for my twelve on my my twenty twenty one Kia Soul. It was time for my twelve thousand mile, oh, uh, for servicing. You know, oil change. Uh, what's that other thing? Tire rotation, and I had one free one left. Well, the sales lady calls me in the morning, and she says, would you like to trade your car in? I said, well, what, how is that even beneficial for me? My car is practically new. It's only got 12,000 miles. She says, oh, but you know, with the inflation right now and, uh, and the shortage of used True. cars, your car is worth about four or $5,000 more than what I've you been paid telling, for. And I've been telling you and that. And you kind of told me to do this. So I went there, and I wound up. I did have to add, I added about $2,000. But I got a 2022 Kia Soul GT line, which is the top of the line GT. Right. All kinds of new bells and whistles, like the sounds of nature and all this other stuff. Bunch of stuff I'm probably never going to use. But I have another brand new car. And this one, instead of the Mars Arch, is what they call Neptune Blue. It's what, what they call a royal blue. It's beautiful. It's a pretty blue. I like it even better than the orange one, which I actually it's like way a better. Lot. It's way better than orange. It's yeah, it's not, it's not so gaudy looking. It's very. It's more... More, more classy looking, I think. And it's got this real red stripe under the door. I like that. It, it gives it almost stripe. a sporty kind of look. I really enjoy it. But that is my big life event that happened this week. Yep. So. Um, you also had some other news you wanted to tell the people about with a joint venture you had on, a, on another podcast. Oh, yes. Yeah. And we will post it. What would you yeah. imagine? We will I, post on the I Facebook. recorded a, um, an episode of Beyond True Crime podcast. by. Um, it's, a, it's a podcast where every week they have a different guest from different true crime podcasts. The guy's name is Michael. Let me see what his name, last name is. I got to look on this nonsense here to see it. He uh, he he called me. Well, Mike called me and he gave me. He uh, you know he asked me if I wanted to do it. And Philip was busy, and uh, I, you know the other ones were busy, so I had to do it. I had to do it um, solo. So I did the Zach and Addy case. Yeah. And right now it is it's running. It's all everywhere. Like the same places we are. You know. Uh, Spotify, Apple, and every week it's a good show because I've listened to them and they all every show is is below thirty minutes, 
So I went into the Zach and Addy one, and um, I listened to it, and he did some really good editing and some really good things with the sound. It doesn't have the same live quality Albus mm-hmm. has. It's, it's, it's much more like some of the other podcasts that are more scripted sounding. But I learned something from it. I learned that I actually can do that kind of show if I had to. Well, there you go. I could actually do one of the scripted shows if I had to. That was really cool. And it was really easy because you're more or less reading from your script. But he did tell me I was allowed to divert. So anyway, that is uh, that was a big old thing for us, too. So it's a Beyond True Crime podcast. The name of my episode is Zachary Bowen and Addie Hall. And it's on Netflix, Spotify, and all, you know, Google and many other, other more, uh, wherever your podcast can be heard, just like us. So it was fun. It was a lot of fun to do. You know, I did the whole thing <laughs> from my phone. Oh, just like I did the Black Hill one a few weeks ago when y'all weren't, none of y'all were available and I had to do it alone. I did it from my phone and I was surprised how good it sounded. Because I don't have any room to put up the, the, in my house, it's the whole dining room table is taken up with candle and craft creation stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so there's no way to put a, li- a podcast, a laptop, except for my lap, and mm, you know. All right. So what you've been watching at home? Tom? Well, I've been wa- actually I've been watching this at work. I uh, I joined CNN Plus. Oh, which is a really good service. Do you like it? I haven't joined yet. I like it. You know, and I, I don't want people to get turned away from this because it doesn't agree with their politics. Because it's not just about politics and news. It's about a lot of documentaries. And the one I was watching was the history of the sitcom. And it delves into the different subject matter, how the, sit- the family sitcom, the workplace sitcom, the outsiders sitcom. And then the outsiders sitcom, they also include not only Big Bang Theory and Freaks and Geeks, but they also uh, Bewitched and I Dream of Genie. Yeah, which were the outsiders. They were outsiders time. too. At that yeah, time, yeah. yeah. And it's funny how um, they. Uh, they took the monster, the Adams family, and the monsters, and how they re- what they really were showing this family moving in, and, and none of the neighbors wanting them. It was kind of like that was the time of the um, the civil rights movement when African American families were starting to move into white suburbs, and you see this different kind of family, a family of monsters or a family of weirdos, and how the neighbors are always trying how, to get rid and, of them, and how the majority yeah. other at that time otherized people. Yeah, yeah, and they and, and, and they look made to look this funny thing about it is is of course you're rooting for the monsters. Of course you're rooting for the Adams family. You're not rooting for those na- nasty people that are trying to get rid of them. Exactly. And even the probably even some of the white people that didn't want the black people in their neighborhood were still rooting for the monsters in the Adams family. That was pretty interesting in that case. But I'm not gonna say anymore because I want everybody to watch it. Now you can't get it on Roku just yet. They said yeah. they said it's gonna be about a month or two. But you can watch it on your on your. Uh, you can watch it on um, Apple TV. You can watch it on Amazon Prime Stick, and you can watch it on um, on your computer, tablet, or phone. Okay. What about you? What you've been watching? Ooh, I have been watching something very interesting, and we're not going to cover it, but it opened up a whole bunch of ideas for tons of things, shows we will have. Yeah. Is a documentary on Amazon Prime, on the AMC Plus um, subscription. You know oh, I, mean? I have that. Because it has Shudder, and it has all this, and this was a Shudder, uh, it was made a Shudder original. It was a South by Southwest Film Festival entrant. It is called... 
Woodlands Dark and Days Bewitched. Oh, I like a that history title. of folk horror. Oh, that's right up my alley. Oh, that's a, that's this whole show's. Oh, alley. that's a creepsters. <laughs> I mean, we're this is a creep. That's a I creepster mean, show. It's gonna. It goes through everything. It goes through the whole idea of the genre of folk horror. Ooh. How it got started in 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 the in the realm of British folk horror. How that how that varied out to the Americas, to Australia, around the world. Mm. Gets into some of the different topics of folk horror, like witches and. and <laughs> oh, that sounds that sounds absolutely awesome. It is everything. It's about a three-hour documentary, so I'm sure you're going to have to pause at different points, take well, bathroom yes, breaks, and get snacks. But is it worth it? Oh, my goodness. How many people you think actually sit and watch Gone with the Wind all the way through these days? You know they take breaks. <laughs> Not and... even Wizard of Oz. you gotta, you got to take breaks. you got to go get Most snacks. movies I've seen. you got to take a bathroom you got to go to the bathroom. You want to go grab a snack. Sometimes, like, if I'm watching something at work, i got to pause it when a customer comes up. Streaming has made a life so much easier. Well, it started, it started with video. video started it did start with video, but this is even easier. Oh, yeah, because you, you don't even have to go to the video store, which I kind of miss, by the way. Well, no, what's also nice is with streaming, you can actually pause it or stop it and go back like the next day, and it's got your place saved. You just hit the Well, you know, when I talk to people in my generation, they talk about how they miss the old days. The only thing I really miss from the old days is it seemed like all this rudeness wasn't acceptable like it is today. I mean, there was rudeness. Don't get me wrong. I don't like the fact that there was racism and homophobia and all that stuff was acceptable. And yes, I love drive-in movies. I loved um, uh, blockbuster video. Later, I love you know. I loved all those little things. I loved the you know the, the, the I Love Lucy and all those sitcoms and all that were really good. But you know what? I also love streaming. I also love having a car with all kinds of features on it. I loved those old cars back then. But they couldn't do what my car's doing right now. No matter how much they say they didn't make, they don't make them like that anymore. Thank God they don't make them like that anymore. But I love to see them, and I love the way they look and everything. But I like everything today, too. So, you know, really, in some ways we have it better. You know, we might not have it so good with the way, with the politics and everything really suck right now. But, other, every, you know, other things are nice, too. And, and, and like we say right now, the politics are bad, but I think there are other eras in history where things were just as bad. Well, of course. Let's go to the, the Civil War. We're not as bad as the Civil War yet. Not as bad as the Civil War. Or look at, look at if you look at Europe, the Spanish Inquisition, they were just killing people left and right. You know, you know the guys on uh, Late Night Friday always saying they're trying to divide us, but the only we can allow ourselves to be divided. Right. So, I mean, we have to think of it this way. There are always going to be points in history where there's very tense moments, tense things going on. And, you know, well, it's going to change big time within the next few years anyway, I think. Oh, there's a there's a shift that's been talked about amongst um, astrologers and people in, yeah. the, in, the, yeah. in the spiritual communities. We know there's a shift coming well, just you, within the next couple of years. You know, back in the day, back in the 90s is pretty much when the political correct movement started, you know, when and I remember thinking, oh, this is a really nice um, gesture. But you know what it's going to cause? It's going to cause a backlash of rudeness like we never saw before. And what are we seeing now? So much rudeness on the internet, rudeness on, you know, in, in, on, in, in the media, rudeness in politics. Well, even, even presidents that have no type of... But we're, we're also noticing 
is what I was talking about with astrologers. We're noticing this hype of the individual going on mm -hmm. and everybody's own individual thing, individual greed, individual fame, individual this. And all of that's about to hit ahead because we're about to have some serious world things go on. Some serious things that are mm. going to really slap us upside the face and say, hey, is it really just all about myself? Or do I have to really start thinking mm. about the entire humanity, the entire global system, the yeah. entire world, all the species in the world? Like, I mean, there's going to be a lot of things hitting up ahead. I do remember, I mean, back when I, you know, when I first became of age as an adult, I remember there were people who disagreed. But, they, you know, if you look at some of the politicians in Washington, you know, Barbara Bush said this. She said, you, it doesn't, just because you disagree with someone politically doesn't mean you can't be their friend. And, you know, the Bushes were friends with the Clintons, and the Fords were, fr they were friends with the Kennedys. The, uh, the, uh, I remember on the Mary Tyler Moore episode one time, they, Lou said he was at a party where the Fords drove Ethel Kennedy home, which probably really did happen in those days, you know? It wasn't about my way is better than your way and you're evil because you don't agree with me. And I really believe that all Americans want the same thing. We just have different ideas about how to get it. Well, but like I said, there's going to be a much harder time coming up where we have to even look at our view. Is it really about us being American or is it about us being human? I think well, I, it is even about this is a generation that has to face that. The ones that are growing up now have to face that thought. But right now it isn't even about being American. It's about being conservative or liberal. It's about well, being no. Democrat or Republican. And that's what I said. At the end of the day, though, in the next few years, the events that are going to happen are going to have to have people start answering the question, are you still human? Yeah. And that's really at the basis of it. If you look throughout history, that's the only real question Yeah. to ask yourself. Yeah. You know? And that's the only thing. America wasn't here before 1776. Yeah. So, but but humans have been around a lot longer than that. Well, so. that isolationist attitude and that really what I call inappropriate patriotism, that started with World War II. When we were, you know, when, when there were the allies and the Axis powers and the allies were the good guys and the Axis were the bad guys. Which, I mean, the Axis were murdering <laughs> genocide and everything that pretty much makes them bad guys I say but uh, it, it got this then you know the um, the it, it's it switched from once the Nazi and everything Nazis and everything was gone well then the Soviets were the evil empire well once the Soviets were gone then it was the Middle Eastern people that were evil you know and it's just, a, it's just been a vicious circle. And we have to always have a nemesis for some reason. And I know people like that, including my cousin that just passed away. They, it was a, they weren't happy and didn't feel strong unless they, was, they had an enemy. And then that's something, and that's been a fairly Western idea. And the thing is that we got to think about it. If we continue to otherize people, we're going to get otherized ourselves. Ah, it's a good way of saying it. I to wholeheartedly agree. Um, let's talk about <laughs> some other stuff. Let's talk about a crazy, crazy true crime. Uh, uh, I don't even know what to call it a comedy or what the thing about Pam. Oh, on, god, on yeah. Peacock, honey, on the Peacock, oh, god, on NBC, honey. It's so even hard to believe that a woman like that even exists. 
Renee Zellweger, I hope he get uh, nominated for an Emmy. Because oh, she deserves it. She's so good. And, and and honestly, I'm hoping for Halloween we see plenty of Pams out there. Okay? Now, back at last December, uh, Morbid covered that case before it became. And they yeah. even mentioned the thing about Pam's going to be uh, releasing. And I would like to cover that case and the miniseries. Yeah. And they're going to have another the date. They're going to have another Dateline special this month. I was supposed to be coming out with another Dateline special. Oh, Dateline just loves her. <laughs> Dateline had the original special. Then they, yeah, that's what caused all this. Yeah. And it resulted yeah. in, the, yeah. So, so I'm very, very, uh, we're very intrigued to see how this, uh, how the, the rest of the series plays out. Well, I know what happened in real life. Do we so call it a dramedy? Movie. Is it a drama, a true crime dramedy? Because there's I, comedy to it. I laugh it's at it. Well, in a way, it's, it's presented. And she is amusing in a way if she wasn't so evil. I know. It's un, it's unreal how ridiculous it is. It's just like, it's really? It's just unreal how, she, how much this woman has no clue. I mean, I met people like that. They, they live in their own little <laughs> world. And if you call them on something like... I had a person staying at my house one time, and they there was some crackers sitting on the on the coffee table, and you know who this is, but we're not gonna mention. Oh goodness, any names? Well, she just picks up the crackers and starts eating them, and I called her on. And I said, you know, just because they're sitting there, that doesn't mean they're there for you to eat unless you're offered. Well, I'll just go buy. I'll, I could oh, oh you, you over over half a pack of crackers. I'll, I'll just get you another pack of crackers. I said, it's not the crackers, it's the audacity. Yes, the audacity. It's the lack of boundaries. See, I was grown, taught, when I was growing up, I was taught by my mom that you don't just go to people's house and go in their refrigerator and start eating their food. And Pam doesn't have boundaries on this show. And mom always said, even if they offer it to you, say, politely decline. If you're hungry, come to me and whisper in my ear you're hungry and we'll go to McDonald's or something. She says, but don't say you're hungry in somebody else's house because then they feel obligated to cook for the kid, you know? Right. And, but this person, I don't understand. I knew this person as a child, too. And her mom was just like that. One time my mom was frying chicken for us, for the kids, for dinner. And they came over and ate all the chicken before anybody could. Her and her mother. Oh my God! And she was a little kid. So you see, so this is what she was raised by, and she was raised to believe that she was allowed to do this kind of thing, you know. And it's just, and her mom used to tell my mom, "I don't want the spina." That's an Italian word that means want for something or be, you know. Anyway, I'll get back on that. But that's that. That's a lot of her own. It's about true crime. You hit something else. You were oh watching. yeah, the movie. I saw a really good movie called Wonderland with Val Kilmer. And um, it's about John Holmes and the Wonderland murders, which is another case I would like to cover at one time. Or maybe even, since Morbid just covered the case, maybe we could just review the movie. That might be a good idea. But it's got this great, uh, one thing I gotta say, because this happens right in the beginning, so it's not a spoiler. It's got this great cameo by Carrie Fisher, Princess Leah herself, <laughs> wishful drinking woman herself, and she picks up this girl on the street, and the girl's porn store boyfriend, the guy playing Val Kilmer playing John Holmes, comes together, and they fuck in the woman's bathroom. Of course, she catches him and throws him out of the house. But she didn't. She went. She didn't throw him out of the house because they were fucking in the bathroom. She threw him out of the house because they had tarot cards. What? <laughs> <laughs> 
to be tarot gods, you devil worshiper. It, it, it is hilarious. If you know Carrie Fisher's history and you see her play in a role like that. Oh, God. Her role is very, very short. That's hilarious. And, but it's, it's, it's just, I think, it, I think that they purposely, because you know, like in the 90s and all, Carrie Fisher got to be known as the queen of the cameos. Right. She had never really done a lead role except for the Star Wars stuff. And she, the last thing she did was in the 80s that was, she had a big part in it. And then basically she did supporting roles and cameos. She had a supporting role in when Harry met Sally. But basically she was a queen of the kids, cameo in that. She was cameo in this one of the Scream movies. Blues Brothers. She had, Blues Brothers. She had a cameo in... That was um, early on, yeah. She had a cameo in, um, in one of the, the Scream movies. She had a cameo in... Um, uh, Jay and Silent Bob. All kinds of stuff. All, all kinds of stuff. He was a nun in Jay and Silent Bob. <laughs> so it's a really good movie. I recommend it. It's not, it, you can only get it now if you rent it or buy it from Amazon or Voodoo. But uh, check it out. It's really good. So the last thing I want to talk about is there was this little reality series they got. Um, they have like several little small episodes, and it's a Japanese reality oh called, called Old Enough. Oh my and, God. and the whole premise is that these little toddlers, two, three, four years old, are sent out on their first errand alone. Oh my out in, God! Out, out to the streets of wherever town, village, oh city they live in. I'm telling you, all the mishaps and the things that oh happen. Oh God! But I'm watching it. I was just like. This would never work in America. Well, you Our society is not as kind to children as we think it is. It's not. Well, um, we would not watch out enough for the children like we should. Like, the Japanese society seems to do a really good job of watching out for kids. So, I think it works. But the fact is, the parents cannot follow the children. The parents have to stay at the their place of business or their home or wherever they're sending well, you know the that. child on the errand from. And the parents are like, the parents are j getting just as distraught at times waiting on these kids to get back. Well, you know, I was, in, in, in my day, my generation, when we were little kids, our parents used to send us in to get out. My mom was- At two years old sit, though? Not maybe three, not, four? I was working in a convenience store and the little <laughs> three and four year old kids would be coming to buy cigarettes for their mom. Okay, and so they did a work. Pack okay. of, a pack of Marlboros for my mom. That's what they'd say. But that was back in the like, day. Yes, but you know, I, I really didn't think the Marlboros were for you. You're only two years old. But you wouldn't do that now. <laughs> well, my mom used to send us into the store, but usually she was out in the car. And I told you the story about the lady in the drugstore. Did I ever tell you the story? Yeah, I think so. I'm, I'm going to tell our listeners this. I think I've meant. I said. I think I told it once before. She would send me in the drugstore with a note, like to get her hair dye and stuff. And we went to this one drugstore, and it was a really heavy-set woman. She looked like Victor Bruno would look if he was in drag. Victor Bruno. Oh, you know, King Tut from Batman. And oh, no. Edmund Flagg from Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. Oh, uh, no. Papa, Papa Wallace. Uh, Hollis from... Uh, Stop. Hush, hush, sweet Well, that's what she looked like. She was <laughs> and she wouldn't wait on me. She was like, no, no, no. Let me take this man first. Let me take this man first. And she kept ignoring me. So my mom came in and she says, what's wrong, honey? Why are you taking so long? I said, well, this lady won't, won't wait on me. So she says, why aren't you waiting on my son? She says, well, tell you the truth, lady. I don't approve of parents sending their children in for things. So I only wait on adults. So I don't know. It got a little heated and it went back and forth and back and forth. And my mom, 
I know this isn't this isn't woke and politically correct, but keep bear in mind this is the 1960s. She called her a big fat slob. <laughs> oh shit! And then she turned around and called my mother a shit ass. Oh no! There <laughs> were men in there. My mom went. Oh my God, such language. And in front of all this, these men, you must be a real tramp. <laughs> oh my God. And you look at this woman, she couldn't possibly be a tramp. Nobody would do it with her. But anyway. Oh my. So uh, I remember the pharmacist coming around the counter and escorting us out. I guess we got thrown out. I don't know. You got thrown but out. We went drug, in there again. The drugstore. Yeah, but you know what? My mom sent me in there again and she waited on me and did everything. There you go. So obviously we didn't completely lose the war. Well, not in that case. <laughs> well, you have obits for us? Yes, I have a few. You got a few? Yes, let me get started on those. We have a few people, notable people, including one local icon. I mean, anybody who's visited New Orleans is going to know who this woman is. But we're going to start first with Estelle Harris, who played George Costanza's mother on Seinfeld. She died at 93. She was known for her screechy voice. You remember she was also on those, um, was it AT&T, a Sprint commercials? I I'm loved her. I'm sick of the circles. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and she was, uh, you know, she, so uh, her, her death was announced by her son, Glenn, uh, and sent by her agent. So she was in all 22 episodes, 27 episodes during, and, in 1992, during the fourth season, around the time the show became a pop culture sensation, and she was in his final episode in 1998, and she always embarrassed her son. Oh, gosh. And one of the show's main characters, George Costanza, played by Jason Alexander, and his father, Frank, played by Jerry Stiller. And she'd always have these meltdowns in response to really, really slight offenses of variety, nothing much. And she had that screech, that <laughs> the urgency of a di oh, oh God, it says the urgency of a hyena in its death throat. <laughs> when she whined, waiting for hours, that finally word had three, <laughs> maybe four moan-like symbols. I remember one of them. I remember, you remember the gay one, not that there's anything wrong with it. And she had hurt her back. And, and so, uh, Elaine was... Elaine was messing with him a little bit, and she says, oh, just because you guys are gay doesn't mean you can't be open about it. Well, she didn't know there was a reporter in the next booth. At the <laughs> so a reporter uh, put, said, yeah, Jerry and George Costanza are gay lovers, and he's all worried his mom's going to read it. Well, she read it, and I think she fell or something and hurt her back. So she's in the hospital. Every time... That one was funny as all. They would talk about being gay. He said, well, we're not gay. Not that there's anything wrong with it, you know. <laughs> She's in there. Oh, George, I can't believe it. It hurts my heart. I didn't know you were gay. Not that there's anything wrong with it. <laughs> that was a funny episode. And then I remember the one where his girlfriend had the collection of dolls and one of them looked like her. Do you remember that one? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, my God. So anyway, rest in peace, Estelle Harris, yes. dead at 93. We loved you. We loved you the pieces, lady. All right, who we got next? Um... Where are you now? Here you go. Yeah, the Foo Fighter guy. Uh, Tom Hawkins, the Foo Fighters drummer. Taylor Hawkins. Taylor Hawkins. Oh, I got it wrong. Taylor Hawkins, Foo Fighters drummer, dies at 50. And um, 
He was direct about his hopes and dreams for the group's feature, future, even after two decades. I want to be the biggest band in the world. This is bizarre because we just saw that movie like like a month or so ago, Studio 666. Yeah. And he was in it. And I'm just sitting here in the back of my mind. I'm like, if all of them start going within the next year where they really should they have made that movie, I mean, I'm kind of tripping out over this. Because it's so recent to the movie being released. Well, even though the uh, cause of death is still under investigation, it's uh, there was a lot of drugs found in the system. So yeah, it probably was an overdose. I know, it's still bizarre, though. They still haven't officially named it, but And he was pretty still much quite young. 50. Only 50, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah. Because, you know, people live in the 80s and 90s these days. Right. So anyway, um, uh, rest in peace. Taylor Hawkins, dead at 50. All righty, our next one is, this is history right here. Uh, Madeleine Albright, who was the first female Secretary of State under Bill Clinton, dies at 84. Uh, she had fled the Nazis in her childhood and her native Czechoslovakia during World War II and then rose to become the first female U.S. Secretary of State. And in her later years, a pop culture feminist icon. And she died last week, last Wednesday, at the age of 84. And her family announced the death on Twitter that she had died of cancer. Leaders, diplomats, and academics remembered her as a trailblazer on the world stage. Madeleine Albright was a force. She divided convention and broke barriers again and again. That's what President Joe Biden said, and he directed U.S. flags to be flown at half-staff at the White House and government buildings until March 27th. And she was a tough-talking diplomat, and she didn't suffer fools. She was a tough-talking uh, diplomat uh, in, in an administration that hesitated to involve itself in two biggest foreign policy crises of the 90s, Rwanda and Bosnia. And she once upset a Pentagon chief by asking why military main more than 100 million men and women under arms if they never used them. I wonder about that, too. And uh, she took a line in a 1996 episode where Cuban jet fighters downed two, US, two unarmed U.S. planes saying, this is not cojones, this is cowardice. <laughs> Using a Spanish vulgarity, meaning testicles. <laughs> she was a tough one, wasn't she? And um, early in the Clinton administration, while she unsuccessfully advocated for a quicker, stronger response to Bosnia, she backed the UN war crimes tribunal that eventually put the architects of, of that war, including Siberian President and the Bosnian Serb leaders, I can't pronounce that name at all, Let in jail. Let me see the name. Slobber. Oh, Milosevic. 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 And yeah, at least we don't have, his name is Slob. <laughs> okay, I don't know. And those lessons served in the United States as well as Kozlo and Washington. So more powerful Serbs begin to, to begin a program of ethnic cleansing and ethnic Albanians. NATO responded with an 11-week campaign of airstrikes in 1999. So Madeline Albright, this was one tough lady. We need, we don't have anybody like and that. And if you hadn't heard some of the things, she towards the end of her term or whatever, because you know, it was, she was one of the first U.S. Um, kind of represent ambassadors to come face to face with early Putin and his 
things in Russia, and she saw him for what he was early And on. maybe. She saw, but and now the whole world's seeing it, but she saw him for what he was very early on. We're talking about 20-something years and, before. And then, uh, you know, she's uh, she, uh, we wouldn't have had a Condoleezza Rice Secretary of State nope. or Hillary Clinton Secretary exactly. of State if it wouldn't have been for her. Uh, you know, um, the next two presidents had female secretaries of state. Highly intelligent woman. Highly intelligent. Okay, we are now on um, Paul Herman, right? Yes. All right. He was a uh, actor of The Sopranos and Goodfellows. Played a lot of uh, Italian mobsters and gangsters. Uh, he died at the age of seventy-six, and. Um, Michael Imparelli, who played uh, he played uh, Tony Soprano's nephew on there, he said Paulie was a great dude in his Instagram post, a first-class storyteller and one hell of an actor. Once upon a time in America, the Irishman, and of course the Sopranos are some highlights of Paulie's career. In the last few years, I'm glad we got to spend some time together before he left us. I'll miss him. Lots of love and family. So in a statement to uh, Variety, his good fellow co-star Robert O'Neill said, I'm very sad about the passing of Paul Herman. He was a wonderful actor as well as a dear friend. He will be missed by all who knew and loved him and by the profession he so proudly served through his quality of work. His first film was a 1982 comedy, Mr. Miss Dear Mr. Wonderful, co-starring Joe Pesky. He also did Once Upon a Time in America, The Purple Rose Joe, Pe Joe Pesci. Joe Pesci, yeah. You said Pesci. I said Pesci. He, looked at good, he could be Pesci at times. That's the way it's spelled, P-E-S-C-I. And you're Italian. Come on now. Oh, I'm only Italian in DNA, nothing else. There's <laughs> uh, Bullets Over Broadway. That was a good one. He, and analyze that. And he also had guest stars on shows like The Equalizer and Miami Vice. And he also played in The Last Temptation of Christ, Goodfellas, and Casino. Yeah. So yes. rest in peace, yes. Paul Herman. All right, who we get to now? This is this is our local. All right, anyone who's ever visited New Orleans probably has visited this lady's club, has seen this lady. She has a club on Bourbon Street in St. Louis since the nineteenth since nineteen fifty six. And they did do a statue to commemorate her too. Yes, they on did. Bourbon, yes. Uh, this lady is before she died. Now she's not, but there's a and she up. also invented the Easter parade in the quarter. Yeah, and she's been an entertainer. I always kind of called her the share of Bourbon Street. She, she was, had, she had like similar. As a matter of fact, I think Cher owes a lot to her. I wouldn't be surprised if Cher saw her, um, her show to get Pop some ideas because she had a lot of the same moves and a lot of the same, uh, she wore the same kind of hair. And the different wigs and stuff, and the costumes. This is Chris. We talking about Chris Owens, who died at the age of ninety. She would have been at the age of eighty nine. She would have been ninety in October. She was my mom's age. Yeah. And I will tell you how. Okay, I, I told some people at the store. They said, "How old was Chris Owens?" I said, "Okay, look at me. You can see how old I am, right?" My parents went to see Chris Owens when my mother was pregnant with me. <laughs> you have any idea how long ago that was? Because I remember my mom telling me that as a child. Now, her death came weeks before her Easter parade, and she, the pandemic had her last two parades canceled. But this was going to be her last one. 
I know, and she always this looked forward to it. This is going to be her swan song. And she always looked forward to it. It was. Well, she was looking forward to it, but she was getting a little, her health was starting to yeah. fail, and she was getting a little too sick to do it every year. So she announced earlier this year that she was. this was going to be her last I think one. the Easter parade this year should be her memorial. It is. It is I think it's her memorial. Without a doubt, it should be. If they are planning to do that, make it her memorial. And her, um, her club is going to stay open. And it's going to keep her name. Okay, just, excellent. Good to have different acts coming. I think they'll make it a nightclub with some big name acts from around the uh, country. You know they're all going to want to perform with Chris Owens. Mm-hmm. And um, anybody who's ever come to New Orleans, even if it was just for a small visit, has at least seen her club and seen her pictures outside of her club. The woman, all the way through her 80s, so in her fifth, uh, from her 20s to her 80s, still performed. Still got on that stage with all her costumes and sang and danced. And you gotta look, you, I know you're saying Cher, but I think she might have influenced Dolly Parton at some level. I think she might have influenced... Oh, she influenced a lot of those. Like La- Lady Gaga, too, probably. Even yeah. Lady Gaga probably knew Chris Owens at some level. I know Cher, Sonny and Cher came to... Um, to New Orleans in, um, I think it was the late the late sixties or in the early seventies, right before they started doing their nightclub act. Right. And Cher said that Chris Owens was actually an influence of hers. Exactly. That so, she, I she, mean, you uh, can see where she's influenced. She's even it. cited Chris Owens on Bourbon Street as one of her influences on how she did her solo act. So we're talking about if you're looking at that for female performers. Even in the music, there has been an influence of Chris Owens upon that, even up to now. Whether they know it or not, even the young ones, if they were pulling from Cher or from Dolly or from someone else. Madonna. Or Madonna, they were likely pulling from Chris Owens. So this is what I have to say to everyone of the new performers coming up for Chris Owens. It's a a quote from Cher. Follow this, bitches. (laughs) See if you can. (laughs) You know, she actually was offered a contract in Hollywood, and she uh, she turned it down because she didn't want to leave New Orleans, and she didn't want to leave her husband. She loved. She New stayed Orleans. married to her husband Saul from 1956 till his death in 1989, and then she met her partner in 1983, who recently died, and she was with him almost 40 years too. Yeah. So yeah, this this lady, she wasn't, and she wasn't, um. She wasn't one of these. She was. She she was a decent woman. She you know she and she really loved New Orleans. And she loved New Orleans, and she was very very. Uh, she 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 um, supported, of course, LGBT rights. She supported AIDS research. She supported um, uh, like battered women, all these different things. And she actually, I know I know this for some friends that had worked for her. Um, you know, before Katrina and uh-huh. even after, she took very good care of her employees. Yeah. In that. And it said a lot where, you know, about her character. Like, she made sure that they, you know... They always... One of the things, she always made sure they had health insurance. Anybody who worked for her. Oh, and yeah. From the, low, from the guy selling the, the beer outside the window. She always made sure, you know, the, the dollar draft on, on Mardi Gras Day. She, she always made took sure great, they had health insurance. She always took great care of her employees. And she obviously... And thought of the, felt, knew that they were human beings. She didn't just see them as workers. She thought of them as a fellow person. You know, and she, she made it. I mean, it's almost like Betty White, you know, a couple of weeks before her, 
her uh, her hundredth birthday. This woman was a couple of weeks before her final Easter parade. It's really. I wonder if they're gonna have like a, a drag queen or something dressed like her, standing in. Or a whole bunch of them. I think. I think it should be a parade of a thousand Chris Owens. You're gonna have Chris Owens all over the place. I think all the drag queens owe a lot to. They should all come out as Chris Owens. Yeah, yeah, kind of like the red dress run. Exactly. Except just, for except for sequins and bodysuits. <laughs> I really, I really. And how think did that so. woman at that age have that little tiny waist? I mean, there can't just be plastic surgery. It's she had, magic. No, no, it probably was a lot of diet and exercise. No, she she was very particular. People would say about taking care of herself. Yeah, I know. I know she only shopped at places like Whole Food and and ate mostly like healthy. She was very, type of, very, uh, very particular about uh, about her body. Yeah. Now well, that was her her that was her um, her meal ticket exactly. Know? No, she knew and that. And her talent and her she voice knew that. And she knew that. Yeah. Yeah. So we're Chris Owens. We really are going to miss you. Yeah. Bourbon Street has gotten a little bit darker now without you. And there's, there's a, a whole... vigil going on. I think right now, as of this taping, outside her um, her club today. Wouldn't be surprised. It's a shame we can't be there. Mm. Oh, it would have been, wouldn't it have been great to record this episode from it, to just do a live thing from it? That would have been wonderful if we had if we knew how to do it. <laughs> oh, and just interview random people? Out. Yeah. yeah that well, we could do it. I mean, all we got to do is go with the phone and, and talk to different people and then just put the, the, the file on the episode. We could have done that. Uh, but I always have always heard kind words about her from anyone. That yeah. I know that um, uh, one of the um, things... They were honoring Ruthie the Duck Lady this this year too, and um, that was her. She was going to do that, so now we're honoring both her and Ruthie the Duck Lady together. Both Bourbon Street icons of in a different way. Yeah, yeah. Rest in peace, Chris Owens. We love you. Rest in peace. So you, what time is it? Oh, you know what time it is. It's horoscope time. It's horoscope time. It's horoscope time. Philip is so sublime. It's horoscope time. <laughs> oh, it's going to be sublime. This week, oh, it's the foaming at the mouth edition. A foaming at the mouth. Y'all are all being attacked by a rabbit animal of some sort. Oh, that does not sound good. <laughs> so let's start out with Aries. Oh, uh, okay. That's um, Shaughnessy. Shaughnessy and, um, and, be- and Benny and Joan, too, huh? Yeah, yeah Benny and... Don't grab it. Yep. So what's gonna happen to these people? Well, looks like you're gonna be taken out by a rabbit, 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 rabbit. <laughs> shouldn't, be, shouldn't be going chase down rabbit holes. The rabbit on the run. <laughs> yeah. Man on the run. <laughs> All right, Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> oh, and if you go chasing rabbits <laughs> exactly <laughs> you might end up with more than you bargain oh go ask alice when she's 10 <laughs> feet tall <laughs> not much better we got taurus oh uh, what's gonna happen oh that's sharon barbara it looks like uh it's gonna be a beaver with rabies a rabbit beaver uh, a beaver attacking share yeah is she getting attacked by her own beaver <laughs> You I'm, never know. It's quite I possible. Sh- I am sure it's out, it's out of business these days because I haven't heard of anything. Hey, don't even say it's eight. Hey, never claim that a woman's beaver is out of business. Well, I don't know. You things, might be surprised. 
I don't know. You start seeing things go south after a certain age. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Regardless of things going south, people still working their beavers. Yeah. That's and just, you work in a sex shop, so you know there's a tons of stuff to help you. Yeah, because most of my customers that go into that little booths and that little theater are like dirty old men. But we got one 24-year-old boy that's into dirty old men. And I was I, I had to go to the janitor's closet or something, and he was in the booth right next to the janitor's closet, and there were no sounds being made there that can only be described as, you know that thing you do when you're drinking a shake? Oh. <laughs> oh. Let's just say, you know, you remember Pam Slurpee? <laughs> All right now. Yes, indeed. Well, they're a point in case. You're never too old. Yeah. Well, no, it's not them that's doing it. It's him that's doing it. I know. To the old men. Old men are always doing something. That's his so, so are old women. Old women are always. Did you see the movie X? No, I haven't. Is it good? Okay, well then, if, if you saw the movie X, you wouldn't be making the comment about old beavers. Old beavers, okay. <laughs> I know, that was, if anyone has There's seen the movie. old beavers in this movie. If now. anyone has seen the movie X, y'all are like cringing right now from oh, me saying that. Oh, man. Talking about cringeworthy, let's move to Gemini. It looks like uh, they like wallowing in the mud because they're getting attacked by a rabbit pig. A rabbit pig? That's our Roz. A pig with rabies, yes. That is our Roz. You must be wallowing <laughs> in the mud. You must be wallowing all up in that pigsty. Yep, that's what happens. That's what you get. Get the slop out. You know. Oh, slop. Huh? Thank goodness. <sighs> well, moving along, we got, guess who we got? You. Cancer. Me? What's going to happen to me? You must have been hanging out in the alley because it looks like you got taken down by a feral cat. Oh, <laughs> my God. Is that? Oh, oh my God. Real? Are oh, you sure it's not a zombie cat, Mr. Fred, undigging himself like in Pet cemetery? Oh, like church, the cat? Yeah. <laughs> I could see Mr. Fred. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> Ooh, good old church, the cat. Yes, indeed. Yeah, this cat that had the sweet disposition. Now, all of a sudden, he's... Possible. Highly possible. <laughs> Talking about possible things, <laughs> even if they're rare. Leo is going to get bit by a rabbit bat. Oh, you know, we, we saw last night. What y'all uh, saw? What's that movie? Uh, Morph- Morbius? Morbius, yeah. Oh, so Curtis is becoming Morbius. So Curtis is becoming Morbius. It's a pretty good movie. We're going to have to... Uh, Can you have- see that, Curtis becoming Morbius? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't. I mean, Curtis doesn't have any hair. Morbius had long, flowing hair. True. And he doesn't have any teeth. <laughs> I don't know where the fangs would come from. So you say Curtis would be the ratchet gum Morbius? The gummy Morbius, yeah. Gummy. yeah. We well, eat some gummies, and <laughs> them weed gummies. Hey, don't be eating on CBD gummies. I gotta take CBD gummies. They're good. <laughs> they help. Well, talking about needing help, Virgos. Oh. Looks like uh, they're going to be having to deal with a coyote that's rabbit. Mm-hmm. Oh, a coyote? Ooh. Howling at the moon. Howling at the moon. The coyote moon. And is that moon a big old butt? Oh. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> You never know. Maybe that's how they got the rabies to begin with. Yeah, and there was one guy who came in. I swear to God, he came in the store. 
He is the biggest ass I've ever seen. He has what my mom used to call a rumble seat ass. You know where a rumble seat was? That was that little back seat in those old cars. It would close like a trunk, and when it opened it up, it would be a seat. That's what that was. Very very early back seats in the car. Oh wow! <laughs> and the sportier cars always had a rumble seat, but they all the the back of the car always had this big round part. So they used to call that a rumble seat, a rumble seat ass. <laughs> and that's what this boy's got. <laughs> yes, indeed. Well, Libras, maybe y'all should stop rooting around in the rubbish, stop dumpster diving, because apparently y'all are getting attacked by a raccoon, a good old trash panda with rabies. Oh, no, nobody wants to get attacked by That can actually really happen. <laughs> Rabbits, raccoons are usually rabbits. I mean, I've seen some raccoons in my own neighborhood running around in packs. When there's like usually like three or four every now and then. You know, they had three of them outside my house. In a little house. pack, yeah. And they were walking in like in, in single file, like in line. Yeah. And it was a big one, like a medium-sized one, and a small one. It looked like something. It looked like Papa Raccoon, Mama Raccoon. And it looked like raccoon. a fucking cartoon, didn't it? It looked like a lot. It looked, and I think you said those same raccoons were around here at one time. Yes. And we also get a lot of possums where we live, too. Some trash pandas. Now, possums actually can't get rabies. That's why they're not on this list. Yeah. Possums, their body temperature is lower than these other mammals. That's one of the reasons why some of them country people, like the clampets, but the clampets are fictitious. They really do eat possum. They have possum stew. And the possum stew was also popular among the black community during the Depression. Yeah. Well, the possums can't get rabies for that reason. Their body temperature is just low enough to keep it from. I could never eat that. I would, they look too much I'm like not, rats. I'm they look too much like rats. Yeah, and smaller rodents can't uh, carry the rabies. At least rats can't carry it. I thought rats did get rabies. Rats have other stuff. Oh. They have a, like a lot worse. Yeah, from walking in their own excrement. They have other issues. I saw that. I saw that. The smallest can't have it because it, it has to do with the, the sign of the animal. But uh, Scorpio, <laughs> just like this actual news story this week that happened on Capitol Hill, y'all are going to get bitten by a fox. Oh, yeah, that fox. And, oh, shit. Bit like five people. They had to euthanize that uh, fox. Oh, Put well, of course. They can't leave a rabid fox running around. Yeah. It's going to die anyway. On Capitol Hill, he bit five people on Capitol oh, Hill. Oh, too bad he didn't get a few senators, huh? Well, yes. oh, maybe that's what happened to Rand Paul. They had trouble getting him in there for a little while. Uh, to do the do the final vote on uh, the Supreme Court thing. I wonder. I wonder. He must. Have, he must have been trying to dodge the fox. Oh, I can imagine if it hit Lindsey Graham. Oh, I think Lindsey Graham's already rabid. I mean, if y'all watch that day, shit, him and Ted Cruz probably both have rabies. Oh, that's definitely that. That, that Ted Cruz. I'm not being political. Support. I'm just being look at the way they look. Yeah, they were, just look they at were actually foaming at the mouth. <laughs> I don't think. I'm sorry, I'm losing it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Where are we? I'm talking about losing it. Sagittarius, that's my man. That's your man. It looks like it's going to go down Revenant style. It looks like a bear. A good old rabbit bear is going to come get well, him. Well, maybe he needs to, uh, to realize the virtue of a good bear. Oh, well. Yeah. Well. <laughs> no comment. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> Talk about no comments. Let's move along to Capricorn. Oh, what's this one getting? We're keeping it Stephen King style, making it real classic. 
A Saint Bernard dog. A Saint Bernard dog. Cujo, Cujo, stop. Cujo's coming Cujo for Lance. Was, Cujo was, Cujo's coming for Lance. Cujo could swallow Lance in one go. Exactly. <laughs> Cujo's coming for Lance. Lance is like that little boy, just like sweating all up the storm in the in little a, car. In a hot car, yeah. They couldn't even open the windows. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, little boy went on to be on what? Uh, who's the boss? I think so, yeah. Yeah, and he's a grown-up gay man now in his <sighs> 40s. I mean, come on. That's probably how, why he became gay. We're blaming it on Cujo. No, I'm joking. No, nothing causes you to be gay. You're born gay. No, we, that's right. Us well, gay I, I could tell that little boy was gay in Cujo. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it right away. You remember what Grace said to... to um, you remember what Grace said to Jack? He said, did you know I was gay? She said, my dog knew. The dog knew. <laughs> The dog knew. The dog knew. Oh my lord, Aquarius! Would they get me? I don't even know. I, the reason I'm pausing is it's like the way that they would get rabies is from their own bed partner. Oh, I mean, depending on all the things they allow inviting into their uh, sex yeah, life. Yeah, so that's true. You know, everybody's inviting all kinds. Of, there's all the polygamy and everything going on. I mean, I'm in a polygamous relationship. Polygamous or polyamorous? No, polyamorous is when everybody goes with each other. No, no, no. Polygamy means you've got more than one commitment of a person you're married to. Polyamorous well, means you're in love with more than one person. So the, the well, I'm not in love with more than one person. It's or how do I how do I do this? Polygamy is the commitment, I would guess. It's a commitment more than the uh, than the, there's and the no polyamory sex, is the there's no sex the actual, between me and the other. The ones. actual, I know all these terms now. I can't keep up with all these terms. So where are we at now? If you want to fuck around, fuck around. Yeah, that's all that's we it. That's, we're Just very, say open relationship. We're, we're sex positive here. It's called fucking round and enjoy y'all fucking round. Okay? And fucking all around. <laughs> that keeps it simple. They should have that on the, on the, on the dating apps. I just like to fuck around. That should that's be the option. Just, just throw that up there. Okay, what's next? Pisces. Ah, that's our last. Last but not least. They must have been stepping in all of it because they got a rabbit skunk coming for them. Oh, that sounds so, that sounds like a Good old mess. Pepe Le Pew. I guess since he got canceled, he's coming to get feisty. A skunk that's not rabbit is a hot mess. It's a, a rabbit one. Maybe that's why Pepe Le Pew really got canceled. He wasn't, yeah. giving, he wasn't pe giving people his STD I'm history. just hoping when it's all over, they bring Pepe Le Pew back. I... <laughs> I'm like, he's a goddamn cartoon skunk. He's funny. Like, why in the hell y'all can't the, the skunk? And he's supposed to be a French lover. He's not trying to rape anybody. But it's not about consent. <sighs> anyway. I mean, I believe in real relationships, yes. Like, human beings need to get consent, yes. Yes. But a, but a cartoon skunk is a cartoon skunk. A cartoon skunk. And he's a skunk. You know, he's just being a skunk. He's just trying to spread that rabies. All right. <laughs> we got to take a oh, break. One quick note. Please get your animals vaccinated with rabies vaccinations. And fixed. All right. Fixed and All right. We're getting close to the end of this the time here. So um, we will be right back after this message. We're going to have this next case is just really, really, it's got everything. It's got sex. It's got drugs. It's got murder. It's got... Uh, prostitution and it's got porn and it's got just twinks. Downright raunchy. Just downright raunchy. So we will be right back.
me harder. Fuck me harder, daddy. Fuck me like the I am. Put it daddy. I don't even care. I don't care who sees me. Them can't with me. They can't see a like yours. Fuck me, daddy. Fuck me, dad. Oh, hello. I'm Derek, and I'm the host of Ratchet Book Club. We read hood classics and good classics, and that means anything from Old Thought Next Door to The Phantom Tollbooth. We read a few chapters every episode, and then we discuss what we thought of each chapter before we get to the next one. It's pretty enlightening. Sometimes you find out things you never knew, like did you know that somebody's... Ratchet Book Club. We're available on Spotify, iTunes, Anchor, and anywhere else you really could think of good fucking podcast should be at. All right, Creepsters, we are back. And uh, we have a case this week that is just, it's probably one of the juiciest things. It's got sex, it's got porn, it's got twinks, it's gay, it's got... Uh, Murder and greed and money and just about everything you'd ever see on Dynasty. <laughs> this is a case of Let's wait for it. the King Cobra <laughs> Killer. Are we calling it the slaying of the Cobra? The slaying of King Cobra. The slaying of King Cobra. And we're going to start our, um, we're going to start our uh, story with the murder. Like on the night of uh, January 24th, 2007, 2007, a house in the township of Dallas Township, Pennsylvania, not to be mixed up with Dallas, Texas, you know, where J.R. Ewing lived. This is a small bedroom community in Pennsylvania, in like central Pennsylvania. And a house was on fire. And the firemen came, they put the fire out, and when they went inside and investigated, they found the body. Of the owner, Brian Kosis, lying on the couch. Well, they noticed right away, even though the body was really charred beyond uh, recognition, that he didn't die from the fire. His throat had been slit ear from ear, practically decapitated. His larynx, his windpipe, and it, it, he was just hanging on by his spinal cord. And he was stabbed. 44 times. So, um, we have a little background on, on Brian. We're going to, um, he was, uh, where is he now? I suppose I have to go through all these notes. I probably didn't organize them the way I should tell have. Me about the, tell me about the book that you were researching from first. Well, I'm re yeah, yes, I'm researching from a book called Cobra Killer, Gay Porn. I was going to cite that in my sources. Why don't you tell them now? Let's go, go over Cobra Killer, Gay Porn, Murder, and the Manhunt. And uh, so uh, they, went, they, they did their investigation, and they, they found some things on the computer, and they found that he had had an appointment that day with, a model, Brian Codis, uh, first of all, Brian Codis was the owner of uh, Cobra Video, which specialized in what they called twink porn. You know, now for those of them out there that don't know what a twink is, a twink is a young gay man from age 15 to what, about 20, 21, usually. They're smooth, they're clean cut, they're almost... They also get referred to as chicken. 
Well, they were chicken back in the day, back in my day. They don't use chicken too much anymore. They we used still use it in my day, too. They use chicken, yeah, and they not. used to call the guys that went after them chicken queens. Chicken hawks, yeah. Chicken hawks. Or chicken queens. Chicken yeah. hawks or chicken queens. And they're not, um, and, and, and they, um, they specialized in barebacking, which means sex without a condom. And by 2007, it still was uncommon and considered a fetish, barebacking, because it, 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 it's dangerous, you know? Yeah, I mean, all and, manner uh, of STDs can be contracted. And uh, he, the, now Brian Codas, he grew up, let's see, I got a little background on him here. Okay, he, he was born on May 28, 1982. He grew up in a fairly decent middle class. He was born in Fairbanks, um, Alaska, and his uh, family moved to uh, Dallas Township, Pennsylvania, when he was still a child. And he was a fairly decent kid with siblings. He, uh, I think he had two siblings. And he, um, his, his family, well, they were a good family. And he, uh, and when he grew up, he graduated from um, from the Rochester Institution of Technology, and his his profession was taking photos at the, the optometrist, at the, the eye doctor. You know how they take a picture of eye to test glaucoma. Yeah, I get that done every six oh, months. Yeah. I know about that. Me so uh, he had this. Um, he you know he had this good job and everything, but he decided he wanted to own his own business, so he went into a cell phone venture. Well, the partners in the cell phone venture threw him out because a 15-year-old boy had claimed that he had sex with him. So, of course, the police raided his house, and the stupid fool videotaped him and the 15-year-old boy together. Oh, shit. So he was charged with child endangerment and, and child, por child porn and all these other things. But guess how he got out of it? It turned out that the kid admitted that he, didn't, he lied about his age and told him he was older. So they reduced his charge to just corrupting a minor, which is a misdemeanor. Mm. And he didn't have to go on the sex uh, offenders registry for, just, for, for that type of thing. Well, so, I would, see, right. see, see, now you bring up a point. I'm thinking in the back of my mind, if you're going to run this kind of business, you should be doing proper background checks on people and processing IDs and stuff. Yes. And you should be held responsible if you did anything with a minor, regardless if oh, the minor sorry. was lying. Oh, we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that. Yeah, okay. That's I just coming. had to throw that out there. That's coming. That's coming. Okay. So he got all of this, and he, um, one night there was a young man who decided he wanted to be in porn, and he... He was talking to him in, you remember, AOL chat rooms? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. It was one of the AOL chat rooms. But <laughs> those, those young folks out there, you know, that don't know what the AOL chat room is. We used to have a service called AOL. They used to have these uh, these DVD-ROMs that were free in all the stores. And I remember people would grab them because they thought there was music on them or something. And when they go home, they try to play it in it. <laughs> <laughs> it would be nothing but that noise, you know. <laughs> but anyway, it was a service we had, and most people had it. And they had chat rooms. Chat rooms was a place where you went and chatted with people, and there was a bunch of people in there, and you just chatted. It was uh, not, this was before Facebook. I think MySpace was starting to come around at this point. And that's how he met him in the chat room, and then he went to his MySpace page, and I believe there was a feature, there was somehow in the way they could video chat. 
it was before um, Zoom. It was some other service, uh, Skype, I think it was. Well, the guy wasn't a quite Brian's type. And Brian had a weakness for, for young men. And um, that's why he started that business with the Twinks and everything. But that was crazier because you had to have the webcam at that time. Yeah, you had to have a webcam. So it was a lot more complicated than it is well, now. Well, you see, we already have the webcams built into our computers and in our phones, too, now. Yeah, so we're used to, and the phones is so important now. But they really wasn't even, you didn't even have that plurality yet. And we didn't have tablets, and our phones were just little flip phones back yeah. then. Because the iPhone didn't, what, come up, the first iPhone, and then the technology wasn't that, was what, 2007, 2008? Yeah, you know, this was this was 2000, uh, 2007. This yeah, year. so we really know. But this before point. this, this was 2004 when him... Exactly, so we did not have any of that. So this young man said, well, look at how hot I am. His boyfriend was sleeping right there and there. And he says, well, I'm going to show you my boyfriend. See, I can get this hot thing. I should be able to do porn. Well, that didn't make him want him to do porn. He wanted the boyfriend to do porn. And the boyfriend turned out to be a young man named Sean Paul Lockhart. And um, now Sean was born on October 31st, 1986, and um, he uh, he was he, he was born he, he was born in uh, Loosetown, Idaho, and he was one of four siblings. And he had an older brother, younger brother, and a sister. And his siblings lived in Mill Creek in Seattle, near Seattle, Washington, with their mother and their stepfather. Well, the mother divorced and left the children with her stepfather. When, when Sean was eight years old. So Sean always had this feeling of, of, of emptiness and rejection and everything like that. So he got, um, so this first boyfriend, whose name they don't mention, he got Sean, and when, when Brian saw Sean, he wanted Sean for the movie. So they sent Sean to Dallas Township to audition. So Brian auditions, he decides he wants to use the name Brent Kerrigan. Now, there's some controversy about how that name came about. Sean claims he got it out of the phone book. Brian had claimed he came up with it on his own. He thought it sounded sexy. So, uh, Brent Kerrigan, Sean, Sean now, now known as Brent Kerrigan, became so famous. He took His popularity took off. He did movies like um, Every Pool Boy's Dream, and uh, with some of the other ones, um, I did like four videos without telling Brian one little bitty, bitty, bitty thing. He was only 17. And he presented me, which Brian accepted without thinking about it. Should have processed it better. No, he didn't even, uh, didn't even think about the ID. He just, he just, he just, he just accepted it. Which, you know, I mean, I mean, I guess in the in the 2000s, a lot of people made this mistake. Now you'll see actual porn directors and things realize they really have to go through the channels because of the laws and things have gotten a lot stricter to the point where they have to go through these channels. You yeah. Know? So, you know, before Brian was doing this, he was working various retail jobs trying to help his, you know, he went, he moved back with his mother who was living pretty much in a flop house. I think she had some drug and alcohol problems. And he was working all these different jobs to help her. He had like three different retail jobs where he was making minimum wage. I think if he was making $10 an hour, I doubt it, in, in 2007, unless he was in a, a state. Well, he was in California. He was from he was in, uh, 
where is it in California? He's from uh, he's from Lewiston, Idaho, but he's a, he was working in um, at the time as he started the gay pornographic career. He was living in California. In San Diego. And uh, I can't remember what it was. I'd I can't remember exactly where the city was. It, it's it was in Southern California, but anyway, he uh, he 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 takes the plane. He took the plane to uh, to Dallas Township. I think I mentioned that earlier, and he becomes a sensation. He becomes the biggest, one of the biggest porn stars in the industry. So other studios are starting to express interest. But Brian was very, very possessive. And, very, and, and he more or less had Sean locked in the house. They, they rarely ever went anywhere. Sean turned 18 in the interim of this. You know, he had made four movies before he was 18. And he, ter- he, um, he wouldn't let him leave the house. He, left the house, he went outside one time. And the neighbor asked him who he was, and it would. And in in the movie, which we're going to talk about later, he tells the lady he's making gay porn. But in real life, he he knew better than that. He told the lady that he was um he was his nephew or something. I don't know. And told her that he was eighteen. But everybody was suspecting they would see young boys leaving the house at all hours of the night and coming there. And he would work all night long, and he would make noise, and they would hear sex noises from his pool and all this other stuff. So then he got to be very guarded. And once it, once he had that, that that charge, and he didn't leave the house much, and he was very quiet, and he was having he he pretty much had Sean trapped there. Sean wanted to get out of there. Mm. Sean wanted to get out of there, even down to having an affair with one of the co-stars, so he could sleep with somebody besides Brian, because he wasn't really attracted to Brian. He was only doing it because that was his boss. So finally, Sean gets tired of it. He's 18 years old. He wants to go out. He wants to have fun. He wants to do this. He wants to do that. He don't want to just stay, just stay talking to this 40-year-old man all day long, you know? <laughs> so he um, he decides he's leaving. So one day he just packs his clothes and he goes. And Falcon Studios was interested. So he goes to... Oh, good old Falcon Studios. Falcon Studios. He goes and auditions. They told, they ready to take him in the minute because he's a big... He's a sensation. They find out... Brent Kerrigan is under contract for Cobra. He can't work. On, and so he says, well, that's not my real name. I work under a different name. So he worked under the name Fox Rider for a little while. But it didn't have the same impact because people didn't know it was Brent Kerrigan. They need Brent Kerrigan's picture and name on that box to get people to buy it. Right. And they weren't buying it because they didn't know who the fuck Fox Rider was, you know? So finally, Brent gets this new boyfriend. What's his name? His name is, uh, I knew his boy, this man's name. His name is uh, Grant Roy. He's 40 years old. He's becomes, uh, uh, he becomes Sean's agent and boyfriend. And they decide they're going to sue Brian. They're going to sue Brian Gosis. And they sue him and they come into an agreement. But before they do... Brent kind of catches the eye of these two, I don't know the best way to describe these two doofuses. They are doofuses, both of them. And they have a, they have a rival escort company. They're named, uh, the young guy is named uh, Harlow Qu- uh, Quattros, and the older one is Joe Kirksey's. Kirksey's. Yes. And... They have. They decide. Okay, so like Joe and uh, to give you a little bit about um, about these two, Harlow was raised uh, 
by his mom. And uh, he, uh, his mom, his father left when he was real young and his father marries, his mom marries this man who decides he's going to get a little booty from his, from his stepson. And from the time, uh, from the time he was 14 until he went into the Navy at, eight, at 19, the, he, the, the guy was sexually molesting Harlow. But Harlow finally gets away from it by joining the Navy. Well, why he's in the Navy, here's a little AOL chat room again. That's where he meets Joe. They meet up. From what I heard on one of the podcasts, their first date was at a Wendy's at 4 a.m. <laughs> in, in Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. In Virginia. Now, Wendy. Now, uh, what's his name? Joe. Late night menu. Joe was born in 1973 to a very fundamentalist Christian family. Were they eating chicken nuggets? No, joke. <laughs> I guess he was eating chicken nuggets. Do they have the Twink special? You know, chicken nuggets? Chicken <laughs> they nuggets. Like, the, like the Happy Meal? <laughs> it's a small fries. Anyway, small fries. <laughs> so anyway, Joe. <laughs> this is serious and me laughing. Anyway, uh, Joe had some anger management. He had temper problems. But he was doing really well in his church. He even became a youth pastor at some point. But he got thrown, but, but he was also on the side escorting mm-hmm. while he was a youth pastor. Matter of fact, he used his youth pastor identity to make him more money because everybody wants to fuck a youth pastor, right? So anyway, well. Joe uh, gets thrown out of church, not because of his escorting. Not because of his escorting activities, but because of his temper. He punched out the pastor or something like that. <laughs> so he starts escorting uh, full-time. And the funny part about it is his family's supporting it. His dad's uh, built the, the massage room, and his mom's cooking meals and snacks for the clients and all these other things. He's a fundamental Christian family supporting prostitution. Okay. So Joe meets, <laughs> Joe and Harlow meet, they have their little Wendy's date, and they wind up moving in together. He gets, uh, Joe, he, get, he, he, talks, uh, he talks Harlow into leaving the Navy. To get that large frosty. So, he, so Harlow, <laughs> okay. Harlow leaves the Navy. Eventually he's, he's issued an honorable discharge. And, and they live together. Well, Joe gets Harlow, he starts pimping Harlow out. First of all, he tells him, he gets him involved with an NFL, supposedly ex-NFL player that had a foot fetish. And he said the guy wouldn't even let him cut his own toenails. He had to cut his toenails and everything. That's in the movie, if you saw the movie. There's that foot fetish. Oh, the shrimp. Yeah. The, the shrimp. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's man. Oh, that's where, that's where, the, that's where the, uh, the character said, I, I ran 10 miles and I didn't shower or something. Oh, geez. Or something along those lines. It's like, ooh. Yucky, yucky, ew. yucky. Ah. Anyway. I'm not in the foot stuff. I think no, that's weird. No, um, no, 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 no. I get no, weirded no. out by people. I don't even like to see in... people in flip-flops. I don't, you know? <laughs> Ugh, no. Anyway, um, especially some of these mushroom farms that they, they try to put in sandals. If you go out, older men with the fungus everywhere. Oh, good Lord. Yuck, yuck, yuck. Uh, anyway, so, so eventually he starts making Harlow do other things. And Harlow is so damaged from the 
the abuse. As a matter of fact, once he came out as gay, that's how he got out of the army. And he, none of his family, they all shunned him. So he went to the one person he thought would accept him, his stepfather. And he threw him out and called him a faggot after he had been fucking him for years. Go figure. Anyway, so Harlow and, um, Harlow and Joe become an item. They become a couple. And they get the attention of this new sensation named Brent Kerrigan. So they decide they want to start doing porn too. They call their, they, 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 they start a new company they call Viper. You get it? Cobra, Viper. <laughs> and they have a website called Viper Boys where, you Just know, with a bunch webcams. Of snakes. With mostly Harlow jerking off and things like that. And Joe is getting to be old, is getting older and not many of them want him anymore. So he's, he, he's not real. He gets really jealous. He gets jealous of his boyfriend because his boyfriend's getting more tricks than him. Right. So anyway, um, they get the attention of Brent Kerrigan and they figure, wow, because Harlow's getting pretty popular in his own right. And he's using his own name. That was his real, he uses his actual name. He didn't have a made a porn name like Sean did. So they see Brent Kerrigan and they think, just think we can make a million dollars if there's a scene between Harlow and, and Brent Kerrigan. So they, um, they get in touch with uh, Grant Roy. Grant Roy, they, they wound up going to a porn convention in Las Vegas. This is where they meet. And they're talking about how they can take, they, they, they were going to do the scene, but he has to do it under another name. Well, they want Brent Kerrigan because they want Harlow with Brent Kerrigan. They don't want Harlow with Sean Lockhart or Ryder Fox or whatever other name he was going to use. So they said, well, he can't because he's under contract with Ho with Cobra, and Brian Cosey's went out, and this is oh, this is another part we have to get to too. Brian Cosey goes out and registers the name Brent Kerrigan so that Sean can't use it. Yeah. So Sean, in retaliation, goes to the FBI and tells him he was 17 when he made those first four movies. So this causes a big old ruckus too, which once again. He gets away with it because the guy lied about his age. So Brian's back in the clear again. They can't get the name from him. So I believe it was Joe that said, what if Brian Cocos disappeared? Mm. He says, what do you mean? Well, what if he left the country? I hear traffic outside. What if he left the country? Or what if he just left and we never saw him again? And Brent... And uh, Brent and Roy got a little bit, uh, oh, I don't know about this. You know, this, is, this is just getting, um, no, they, they realized that they meant killing him. So, nope. anyway, they, so, so anyway, they devise a plan. They get, uh, Joe gets Harlow to apply with Cobra Video as a model. And send his picture. Brian sees it. Oh, I got my next print. Fights him over. He comes over one night. And then not long after, the house is on fire and Brian is dead. Hmm. So, during the murder, investigators first looking at, at Brent. 
because they well, know yeah, because the, I mean all the lawsuits and all these other things, and there's a lot of bitterness between the two. And so he's a, he's a main in, like, tried to suspect. turn him into the FBI. Yeah. But he had an alibi. He was way out in California when Brian was murdered. So it can pot can't possibly be him, and they didn't have any, show any conspiracies or anything. So uh, Grant Roy and Brent remember what. Joe said about him disappearing. Right. So Joe and and so so uh, Joe in the meantime, Joe and Harlow are just living the life. They had they were making all kinds of money and they were a million dollars in debt because every night they were going out to eat at a different restaurant with a five hundred dollar bill. They were driving Mozzarellas and what's a Maseratis. Maserati and the Viper was <laughs> he had the Viper that he had uh, yeah. he gave Harlow. They were they were driving expensive cars. They were going on trips. They were going here. They were going there. And they were a million dollars in debt. Mm-hmm. These are doofuses from the word go. Mm-hmm. So they 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 moved to Florida. And they're at the police. They they they're, they're the per, person of interest and in the prime suspects because the, the the murder weapon was found, and they found that. Joe had gone to a pawn shop and bought a knife exactly like the murder weapon. It was like a hunting knife. Yeah. So um, it just gets, it, it, it starts getting more and more gnarly all the time. Uh, with, uh, so Brian, so they, they moved there and the police decide, uh, Sean decides he's going to help the FBI get these guys. So they set up a meeting. He, he, he calls or emails or something. He, he talks to, to Joe and tells him he's willing to do the movie. That he wants them to fly out to California and negotiate. So they come out to California. They have no inkling, no clue what kind of trouble they're in. They decide to, you know, they, they're going to get him to admit it. And you know where they take him, of all places? A nude beach. Now, how do you, how do you put a mic out on a nude beach? I mean, if, somebody, if everybody's butt naked, where do you put the mic? You can put it in his butt? No. I think it would be kind of muffled, don't you? Right. And I mean, where a new beach? So guess where they put it? They put it in his car keys. So he they laying on a towel, buck ass naked on the beach, sunning themselves, and Sean has his keys right next to Joe. Eventually, they start talking. Joe kind of they, they, he's he's you know he's asking them these leading questions and. Finally, Joe comes up and he's, well, I wasn't proud of it. I was kind of horrified by what happened, but we don't, we got rid of Brian, all the FBI needs. They come and grab them both. Mm. They arrest both of them. So um, when they get, when they arrested, they go to jail. First of all, first Harlow says he did it. He says he went there. Brian touched him a certain way, and he lost it and, and stabbed him to death, cut his throat and stabbed him. Then he changes his story. He says, Joe was peeking in the window when they were making out, and then the jealous rage came in and murdered Brian, which is also believable. Both of those scenarios are believable. It could have been either one of them. Right. And then the third scenario, which is really a joke, they came there, they saw the fire, they walked into the house. They walked into a burning house, saw the body there, and decided to leave so they wouldn't be blamed. Now that one was ridiculous. So through and through, 
they all both both get tried because at first Joe is gonna uh, uh, Har Harlow makes a confession, then he rescinds his confession and says Joe did it. Now the way their relationship was, Joe was violent, he was abusive, he used to beat up on um, on Harlow all the time, so that's what made it believable that he might have gotten mad, and and, and then he had anger issue problems. Then there's also. Uh, Harlow had that abuse thing, and you know he might have had a PDDS, so with you know post-traumatic stress, and that sometimes can lead to something violent. Yeah. And uh, and then burning the house down, trying to burn the house down, but this is the stupidest thing they did. This is what got them all. They wouldn't even nobody would have even suspected it. Joe sends his own, uh, Harlow sends his own pictures, and it's still on Joe's computer. And that's how they went. That's how those two got on the radar. So both of them were convicted, life in prison without any parole. Harlow and Joe both to this day claim that the other one did it. Wow. <laughs> so what kind of hot mess we have here? Now there was a movie. Hot mess ain't even the word for it. <laughs> this is a clusterfuckery. Okay. <laughs> So the movie with uh, there's a movie out with uh, Christian Slater as 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 Brian, which they changed the name to Stephen because uh, Coca's family didn't support the movie, and um, uh, Gary Clayton as as Sean slash Brent, uh, Christian Slater as uh, as Joe, and what's the name of the actor who played? Um, see the name of the actor who played. Christian Slater was Stephen, huh? Or, which was Brian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Christian Slater is Steve, and uh, yeah, uh, Joe was uh, Franco. Was James Franco, and then uh, and uh, Sean uh, uh, Gary Clayton is Sean slash Brent. Brent. And I can't. I'm trying to remember the name of the actor that played. Oh, I have to look it up. Shoot, it was uh, of Harlow. I know you tried. Let's see. We look. We looking this up on. Uh, Keegan Allen. Tegan Allen, and he's right now. It's Harlow. Yeah, uh, Ga we know we all know who James Franco and um, and and Christian Slater are, but uh, Keegan Allen is that his name? Keegan Allen. Uh, Keegan Harlow. Allen right now is on Walker with Jared Peckinair. How do you pronounce Jared's last name? The one that was Sam on Supernatural. Oh gosh. <laughs> so, uh, well, he's uh, he's the lead. He plays Walker, yeah. and uh, this guy plays his his younger brother. And Gary Clayton is known by a lot of people from the, uh, the Hairspray Live. Yes. Yeah. And he does look a lot like Zac Efron. Well, he, and he played the, the same part as Zac Efron. Like, if and you he, watch, you'll like, if you have not seen the King Cobra movie, certain ways when he looks at Car it looks just... So, so, like did, so did, brother of Zac so did Brett Kerrigan kind of look like Zac, um, like, um, Zac Efron. You know, he, he looked a little bit like Zac Efron, too. Yeah. And, um... So this movie has a little few discrepancies in it. First of all, there's no mention of Grant Roy or the other boyfriend. No. It just begins where, where you know, what's his name gets um. Where where uh, <laughs> I'm losing my train of thought here. Where Sean gets a, a. You know, he meets him at the airport. No, it starts there, and of course they have his name changed to Steve, and I think that's because of the family. But the main discrepancy in that, well, first of all, Sean's mother is shown in a much better light than she actually was. Right. 
And second of all, and she was played by Alicia, Silverstone. and she was played by Alicia Silverstone. Uh, uh, Brian's sister was played by Molly Ringwall. Molly Ringwall, and all these ex-teen idols: Christian Slater, <laughs> Molly Ringwall, Alicia Silverstone, and Jane Franco too was a teen idol at one time, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, because he was on Freaks and Geeks. Yeah, and um, and and now uh, and then Gary Clayton was kind of too. They all kind of had all, something every, to do everyone, with. Everybody in the cast was a teen idol at one time. Even I think that was people. a maybe that was an interesting choice. <laughs> that is kind of interesting. The main discrepancy is the confession. They don't have the, they didn't do it on a new beach in the movie. They did it in the hot tub. Right. And I don't know the reason for that. Maybe the budget didn't allow them. Maybe the actors weren't weren't uh, willing to do frontal nudity, which it would have. It would, that's what it would have taken for them to show uh, the new beach scene. But for some reason, what they did is they had they had Sean slash Brent come to Joe and Harlow's house and get in the hot tub. The only other thing, though, is it may have been an actual film choice, and I'll explain why. Think about it for a moment. You do things out on a nude beach, that's just an expansive open nude beach. Yeah. On filming, you get this because you worked in theater. Sometimes and you film too. Sometimes when there's an important moment, you need something that's kind of enveloping or enclosed. Mm-hmm. So a hot tub forces the characters close and to one another. And they can do another. the close-ups and everything, yeah. And it, it it's the idea of the setting of the hot tub. So it was a creative choice, even though it wasn't an accurate choice by any means. It was a creative choice. And I can see why it was made. Now, was that the proper thing to do if we're doing a true story? Probably not. Yeah. But on a film level, it was a smart choice on the idea of trying to, you're trying to put these characters, the idea that they're really close in somewhere. And there's that, they do focus in on the car keys on the side of the hot tub. So it's this idea of having everything kind of closing in and everything being very intimate. Whereas the new beach, where it could be intimate, it's expansive. So just think about the setting for a second. Yeah. There is there is a reason there. There's definitely yeah. a director's yeah. choice there. I'm sure. And another thing, too, um, but the families, Sean, uh, Sean uh, Lockhart went on to become a mainstream actor in mostly gay-oriented movies. Yeah. But he's also done some TV and everything. And he also went back to porn as an older Porn star. He's 35 years old now. Uh, Joe, well, of course, you know, Brian's daddy. dead. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what he'd do. He'd be doing the daddy porn now. And if daddy. you saw him, that's what he looks like now, you know? Because look at all those people. Where they get, once they get over 30, because Gary Clayton is 31 now, and you're starting to see that little maturity. That he did, and he don't have that twinkism that he had in that in that other movie. Okay, but like the character, did he go on to become a director? Yes. Oh, so that is accurate. That's accurate. He went on and became a director. He went on and, be, and and not only of porn films. He went on to become director. One of the movies was not another gay movie too, that he directed and had a cameo with it, and uh, he went on to do a lot of different things. And he went on to do porn again as an older man this time, and not as a as a twink. Hmm. And he's still, he, uh, his career's still going on to this day. Have you seen porn films in the shop you work at? I don't, I don't think we have any of his films in the shop. Most of his films are pretty much ancient. Man. You know, porn has a very short shelf life. Shelf True. Life. Something made in 2012, 10 years ago, is considered ancient. 
You know, you it's a classic it. now. I mean, you see, <laughs> if it was made in 2016, it's a classic. <laughs> Uh, porn has no shelf life <laughs> at all, and porn stores get older and they keep on. You know, they don't have much. Uh, he, he, the only reason why his his life his his career went on is because he's he went on to do directing and other. He was still working behind the camera. See, now you make me wonder: Did porn ever come up on like the? Uh, did they did they ever have it? Not, was there anything that was on before VHS? Before the VHS? yeah, eight millimeter. It was on the eight Jack millimeter. Wrangler. Okay, so I, that's long before me. That's why I had that's to bring before it me. Oh shit! <laughs> Jack Wrangler and Casey Donovan in those seventies. Actually, some of them those were are probably worth quite a bit. Those are, and some of them were theatrical because Boys in the Sand with um with with uh, what's his name Kate, uh, Casey Cal Casey Donovan Calvin Clover is also his name. He also was a theater actor and he did gay porn. He did that movie. That was a big porn movie of the gay porn movie of the seventies. But you know. I remember, like the internet has made has really done a lot for gay porn because before the internet, you really the only place you could find it would be renting it from a smut shop, you know, that used to rent them, and having two DVD, two, two VCRs and and copying them, or you could um, or you could buy them and they were like a hundred dollars. <laughs> it wasn't like we have them for seven dollars, you know. <laughs> but, but you didn't have access to gay porn like you did once the internet came. That's when you start seeing more of that. And the chat rooms and the webcams and all these other things really made the gay porn business explode. Which in a weird way, maybe in a weird way, some people don't want to admit, but maybe in a weird way that actually kind of helped the movement. And I'll tell you why. I know you're thinking why am I bringing this up. I think more people were able to explore what they liked. Yeah, and more people access with it, like so. More people were able to affirm. I will say, porn actually helped me affirm what I sexually was attracted to. Well, yeah, you know, and, and yeah. I was growing up in this era when internet porn was just starting. Well, I and I will say, it was helpful. I remember. Oh God, I was so bad. When the first thing, I, first internet device I got was a thing called Web TV. And it looked like a little DVD player that you're attached to your TV. I mean, we have Roku today, but it was nothing like that. What it was, they didn't even have they, they didn't even have Java. The movies would take, you know, a three second scene would take 15 minutes to download. Yeah, and well, it didn't have a, a hard drive, so every time you wanted to watch it, you had to download it all over again. Well, I'm not saying it was necessarily the healthiest thing, but I'm saying in a way, I do kind of give gay porn of that era being on the internet credit on helping people some people realize because at that point still there weren't a lot of television shows talking about gay love or things like this and so yeah the only one was queer as folk on showtime and that well and that still for me wasn't until later on that wasn't until 2003 ish well the, the british one was 1998 oh the british one i'm talking about the american one for yeah. american public wasn't until the two and it's funny because the one who played the young kid in the british version of queer as folk Went on to Sons of Anarchy as Jax. Well, the British are always ahead of us, and, and the other Europeans are ahead of them spots the level. So by the time we get it, we're behind, you know. Well, but I, I appreciate the kids now, though, don't have to go. I mean, they can go to the internet and look at porn if they want to, but they don't need that anymore because the television shows now make gay sex important. Like, it's in the teenage shows now. It's in the things. 
So it's a part of a reality now that yeah. the, ki- the kids yeah. don't have to go seek out. And, and I'm not trying to put down porn, but I would say porn is unhealthy for a teenage mind. Well, you know, also levels. another good thing. The Unless internet, it's considered what it is. The right? internet did for the gay community is it offered people a new way to meet. You didn't have to go to a bar anymore. That was helpful. You didn't have to go to a dirty bookstore or a bathhouse anymore. But then there's also then the scary the side thing, of the that. The scary side of that, yeah. Is, Somebody yeah. gets you secluded somewhere. And it's also open to pedophiles and, yeah. and people looking for for kids and, and posing as another teenager or posing as another kid. And um, So see, yeah, progress is always going to have positives. So there's always a dark side to positives everything. Positives and a dark side and a, and a good, yeah. And so, you know, but it's also, but you know, it, it's, and today... I don't understand how my store still sells DVDs because you have a Pornhub, which is free. And if you want, you know, I mean, the stuff on Pornhub that's free is a little bit older, but there's all the porn sites too. You know, there's like, and some of these porn sites, it really amuses me because the trailers are more sexy than the movie itself. Because the movie itself has all this long setup of them sitting on the sofa and being interviewed and everything. <laughs> well, you know, the, the trailer goes right down to the to the meat and potatoes. <laughs> it's, the money shot. It just shot. shows the sexy. The money shot. No, I'm just... And really, you find yourself, if, you, if you're watching one of those, you know, those, those, those reality points, you find yourself fast-forwarding through the boring parts. And, they, you know, each little sex act, they, they spend so much time on it to try to make the movie a certain length. That you want to fast forward into through like the oral part to get to the anal part, and then the anal part's talking so long you find fans trying to fast forward to the money shot. Yeah, <laughs> I get a kick out of compilations on Pornhub. <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> and yeah, you know, so and, and so you know, it, it, we're it, giving y'all all our dirty little secrets. But we have okay. here on there, there is Pornhub now, and Pornhub <laughs> makes it you have more access, even though it's older stuff. The, the paid part of Pornhub is the newer stuff. And then they also have the sites themselves, like, oh, this is going to hurt, and wow, that's big. And, you know, there used to be one in the early, in the early 2000s, there was a, a bunch of them. One of them was called Cruise Patrol. And it was oh. kind of like Bang Bus. Oh, oh, I know. <laughs> and, and when the way it was different from Bait, from bait yes, Bus, I know what you're talking Bait about. Bus would have a woman, oh, why don't you come in and you're going to get to fuck me? But these, they pick up a guy, oh, I want to go see the Hollywood sign. So they go, okay. And then they're sitting in the band, they're talking. And, oh, I got to get laid today. I hope I find some pussy. And the guy goes, oh, we ever did it with a guy? Oh, no, I'm not like that. Well, blah, blah, blah. And he puts his hand on, oh, why don't you try it? So first he lets the guy go down on him. Then they talk him into going down on the guy. Then they talk him into bottoming. And then they throw him out of the bus naked. <laughs> you remember that one? Yeah. <laughs> and then there was Sergeant Sodomy. Where the guy was in the park and they said, oh, you violated something. This is a $200 fine. He goes, well, I don't have $200. Well, I'll work it out this way. <laughs> and because that leads to another sex scene. And then at the end, the cop winds up writing him the ticket anyway. <laughs> And, uh, and then they started with the audition things, like boys casting and um, uh, Sean, Sean Cody still to this day is doing that. And then they started with the straight guys, uh, gay for pay, which is another genre that you wouldn't have had in the, in the 80s, you know, mm-hmm. on the DVDs. And some of those guys were straight, were, were gay for pay, but they never... But in this era in, that we're talking about on this case... 
for a man, whether he is straight or gay or bi or whatever, if he wants the money, the money was in gay porn for a man. Yeah. It was not in straight porn. No, for man, no, no. For man, the girls no. make the money in straight porn. But 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 it started to happen in the 2000s that a man, if he wanted to do gay porn, could make as much money as a lot of the female, if not more, if, if he was really good. Well, you know what's really funny is is that it's funny. This, this is a difference between gay porn and straight porn. In straight porn, even though the girl gets paid more, even though she, you know, they come to see her because she's good looking and everything, she's still considered lower than the man. She's still considered a slut. She's still considered a whore. But the gay porn actors, especially the bottoms and the pop, they're gods. Oh, yeah. People want to marry them. Nobody marries a straight porn actress, but they'll marry a gay porn actor. And I'm sick of you when somebody wants a porn actor, it's their lover. You saw what Sean's boyfriend did. Look at how hot my boyfriend is. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's going to say, oh, let me do uh, porn because I have this beautiful girlfriend and pull her and, and her tits all out and everything. <laughs> I can yeah. do that. And now this, uh, this subgenre, the tween genre, really does bring a lot of problems and it really does attract a lot of riffraff. It attracts people like, like Brian who are, what is that word again? Chicken hog? No, the ones that like the, the, the teen twinks. It's not pedophile, it's the other word. We, we were trying to find a pronunciation of it. It was some before. weird name, epiphilia just or something, it. like whatever you we, we, ju we just had it. We had it up here. Let's see if we can find it. <laughs> I think the simple term is just chicken hawk. <laughs> yeah, well, like, we don't call them chickens anymore. That's I the thing. I know, I know. So it doesn't really... Uh... I don't know. We were still, even in the 2000s when I was young, we were still calling it chicken. Oh, we here it hawk. is. Okay, come on. Do I have this on Do Not Disturb? A fee-philia. Well, there you go. A fee-philia. Well, a fee-philia. A fee-philia. That is a mouthful. But that, those are the guys that are not really pedophiles, but it attracts them into the business looking. And then these guys always were there. But what they would do is, is they waited at the bus stop to see the kids that were running away to catch mm -hmm. them. That's not anymore. Now they got them while they're still home and unhappy and being abused and everything. And that's and the internet that's that done that. Way. The yeah. internet has done that, yeah. And then the trouble with these boys is once they, you know, they're, they're faded out by the time they, have, you know, in most cases, people are starting their lives, their careers are over. Like 23. Yeah, <laughs> and they're so worn out and drugged up and, and by that point, they can't get jobs in straight porn. I mean, in, in regular gay porn, as an older porn star. And they wind up escorting and dancing and drugs. By the time they're 30, they're old men. Mm. And it's really, it's, it's really terrible. It's really sad that that kind of thing is happening to, to people. You know, it's just... And it's one of the reasons I really do feel like, I mean, and we talk about this on the show, it's one of the reasons I really do think we need to, there needs to be certain regulations on porn. There needs to be legalization of prostitution and have it formally regulated yeah. and done. And well, I we, think, had, we had talked about that on an earlier show. Well, we did, and, I, and I'm bringing it back up again because specifically talking about for uh, especially young gay men, I think it would be a lot safer route 
Yeah. And, and then they would know they'd have options. But we still going to have this other thing. When those kids are trapped in a bad, a bad home and this nice man is talking to them and he's offering them all this money and he's offering them... They still, they still, it's still going to draw. On. Well, it's one of the reasons, and we're not going to stop having these predators. They are predators. I think it's one of the reasons we really, really, really still there's still a need um, to make sure that there are resources for young gay people that are in bad home situations, for homeless gay youth. They, we need to have. Yeah. There needs to be better. Now that now, now Harlow is a he's a poster boy for that type of thing. Yeah. Abused by the grant by the uh, by the father, the stepfather, then ostracized by his family because he's gay, thrown out of the navy because that was under the don't ask don't tell, and he went and told them I'm gay, right. so they threw him out. That's how he got. But they did want he did he did secure an honorable discharge, but um, and then you know Joe, you know, he's always in a situation where he's dependent on somebody, whether it's the military, his home, or with his lover. Mm-hmm. Now he's in prison. He's really dependent on the system. Yeah, I think the 2000s are going to be looked at as a very, that little decade is going to be looked at as a very interesting decade because there was, gays were becoming more open, but there was still a lot of where you had to be in the closet in many yeah. areas in America. And I think we're going to look back. Well, even now, they still, you know. If but you, no, nothing depends, like then. The two, but it depends on the part of the country from. If you're from but, but Alabama even, or Mississippi, yeah, you still have that. But I think there are more allies, more people more willing to step up now. Yeah. Than, than say twenty years ago. Oh yeah, definitely. And so and help out. So the and thing, some of those kids that were victims themselves twenty years ago are counselors and everything like that today. Yeah. Some of them went to that to that point. They went in that direction. So so, but I think we're gonna always look back at the two thousands as this very interesting transitional period. Yeah. And I think this case is everything about that and how it relates into the. The gay sex industry. Well, somebody, you know, somebody one time told me something about how, like, like the cycle of the hustler. You remember the hustler from that used to go hang out in places like the Roundup and the, uh, you know, and the, um, the double play and the corner pop dance at the corner pocket and that kind of thing. They, when they, you know, they're 18, 19 years old, they got these beautiful, perfect bodies, you know, they, 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 they're fresh and they're young and these older men are all over them and that makes their egos go out. But before long, the drinking, the drugs, and the, and the promiscuity takes its toll on their body. So by the time they're 30 years old, they don't have the body there anymore, they don't have the youth anymore, and they don't have the freshness anymore. All they have left is the ego. Well, if we're talking about this 2000s era, era, we're seeing now a lot of them, some of them were actually my friends, I'm still friends with them, you know, close friends, but we're still friends. We were around, they were like about my age or younger, a little bit younger, and we were... That was during that time period of the the mid two thousands. Yeah. So now a lot of them are in their late thirties and forties, and we can see it has taken a toll on some of them's health. Oh, it takes a toll on their health. It takes a toll on their looks. They're not able to get um, like a man like that's t- been taking care of himself, and he's forty years old and still looks good. Can pretty much get anything he wants. Even at my age now. They still hitting on me all the time, but then again, I didn't. I mean, I had I did my little partying here and there, but I, it wasn't my lifestyle. Mm. It was a, you know, it was a nice place to visit, but you don't wouldn't want to live there. <laughs> then, uh, yeah, so yeah, that's the thing. So anyway, um, I'm gonna cite some of my sources for this. Okay, First excellent. of all, 
we're going to once again mention the book. I should get, get it out of here off the iPad. And, oh, come on now. We had to put this little code in on the iPad. Uh, the book is called, oh, it is called ah, Cobra Killer and the man, the gay porn murder and the manhunt to, to bring the killers to justice. By Andrew E. Stoner and Peter A. Conway. It's also the movie Cobra King starring James Franco and... Uh, Was it Cobra King or King Cobra? King Cobra. King, King, Cobra. King Cobra starring James Franco and Christian Slater. And there are some discrepancies in there. Yes. But some of them may be necessary because of, you know, the family. Probably because of the family and all. Uh, and... Uh, and then, like I said, some of it might have been a Hollywood creative choice. Well, yeah, it was yeah a Hollywood creative choice, the family, and then and then a, a really great podcast by uh, Patrick Morano called uh, he did the, the True Gay Crime. I learned a lot about this case from him, and that's why I want to shout out to Patrick. Hey, Patrick, I hope you're listening because I'm going to send you I'm going to send Patrick a link to this podcast so he can Excellent. listen. We really, you really were an inspiration in this show. In, in me get in my research in, in this case and I didn't uh, you know I, I had the book but you know you can't go through a whole true crime book in just a few days time so I was going through snippets and and highlighting it on the Kindle <laughs> right and that's how I was getting the things I did I actually wanted to talk about because I didn't want to go in I mean I can't see in here and read a, <laughs> an 18 hour true crime book you know but uh, it's um, and then we also have the movie well, you know, what are we gonna do before we go Let's rate the movie. We both saw it. What would you give it? How many shutters? Well, first, let's see the, the performances. James Franco. Mm, three and a half. Three and a half to James Franco? Shutters. Yeah, yeah, he was James Franco being James Franco. What's the other actor's name? That plays? Christian Slater. Christian Slater. I'd give Christian Slater four, four and a half. Uh, Garrett Clayton. Strangely, about the same four, four and a half. And what about the okay? The guy who played Harlow, I thought was the best. Har uh, what's his name again? I almost want to give him a five. <laughs> he was the best one in the whole movie. I mean, he, his performance was. It, it almost felt like he was totally channeling that type of person. Like he was totally channeling. Like he must have had a friend in the porn industry because it was a little, or in the in the sex industry. Oh, he movie. did a lot of research. Yeah, Keegan. I, I don't know. It was just a, Keegan, Keegan Allen was Keegan a little you, and you know, and he wasn't really particularly good looking. He's like the least attractive of. The but school. he reminds me of people <laughs> I know that have actually been, say, strippers, porn stars, as like he literally embodied that. And as an actor, I would never have done that shrimp scene. I would never have had close up to my feet. With the fact that he on. did that that <laughs> was that was a true perfect. That that shows what a trooper this dude is. He, I think he's. I, I think the shrimp scene is why I give him five. Stars. And what would you give the movie? The movie four. Yeah, movie was pretty good movie. And, I and, mean, and, even for all the discrepancies. And all, Alicia Silverstone. It was a short role. There wasn't much to it, but she did a good job. I guess a four. I'll Molly Ringwald four. did a really good job. Yeah. All right. So, until next time, we're probably taking off next week because we want to go to see Sonic the Hedgehog at the movies. And I only have one day off next week. So, it's Easter week anyway. You know that's going to be Jim Carrey's last Polly movie. He's somewhat retiring completely. Oh, I bet you, which you would bet Will Smith will be next. 
Well, Jim, well, so we're not talking about him, right? Okay, now. that's right. We weren't going to talk about him. Anyway, until next, we'll be back in two weeks. Until then, enjoy the view from the open shutter. But don't fall out the window. Unless you're a lecherous old stepfather trying to molest a stepson. Yeah, I wouldn't even say I wouldn't even say Joe and Brian, Joe and um and Harlow should fall out the window. Because they they victims too. Lecherous That's the thing though, though, don't you know from this case, everybody was sinister. Even the victim. Yo. It was one of those things where Tragic. there were no real innocent victims. All right, thank you. Goodbye. Thank you. Bye.